today we're going to be you know uh, preaching from uh, this uh, topic which I think is very uh, relevant to everyone that is here uh, more so especially in these past two years and so the, 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 the message for today is strength for stressful times how many of you here are feeling stressed? <laughs> wow, nobody's stressed. Ah. Wow, I'm very stressed, you know. Not only because I need to preach. <laughs> okay. But how many of you have been in a season of stress? I think all of us experience that. Whether you're young or old, you have experienced stress at some point. Even a young child can feel stress. When they go to school, they got exam, they stress. Then when they stress, the parents also stress. Okay? And we all deal with stress some form of fashion. And even today morning, I was very stressed because when I came in here, we found that the internet wasn't working. Then I'm like, sell, 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 how we need to live stream. Then FJF was only live stream. What are we going to do? You know, so stress is a very common thing, uh, especially in Singapore. And what was interesting is, do you know that uh, April, the month of April, is actually Stress Awareness Month? Okay, it's actually Stress Awareness Month. And in 2022, it seems more people than ever before are feeling stress. I don't know how many of you, when you heard the, the, the news this week that things are opening up, maybe you're very happy that, wow, oh, no longer got limit to the social gathering size. You're like, yeah. But then suddenly you see this other update says that, oh, all can go back to workplace. Then some may be happy, but some may be, oh, sien, I need to travel to work now. I cannot just wake up and work from home. Then suddenly you start to feel stress. How, how, how will my boss make us go back 100% at the office? You know, in fact, a research from Mental Health Foundation has found that in the last year, a large percentage of adults have felt so stressed at some point that they felt overwhelmed and unable to cope. How many of you have, can, can resonate with that? What is that? I cannot cope. And the Stress Management Society has found that many have felt more stressed since COVID-19 restrictions began in March 2020. And I think that's what we have experienced not only as a nation but as a body of Christ. One moment, we go lockdown, you know, uh, like what Sister Hoyer shared last week, then it was a very high-stress time, especially for, you know, Pastor and his family back then in 2020 when they had to do everything. I can still remember the trauma. You know, you all got heard of, like, people go to war, they get PTSD, right? We also got PTSD doing live stream at home. I still remember got one, I still remember so clearly, it was the Romans 12 disciple, the first session. Suddenly, the live stream keep crashing, and like pastor's com was like re reaching his limit and we're like any moment the stream can just shut down and we are down there like oh so stressed i stress until after that we just cannot handle it already you know and 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 then at the same time when the restrictions keep changing you know one moment we can be in this size then one moment cannot one moment you need to have only maximum 50 then the next moment you can have 100 but you must have zoning and there's all these little fine details that sometimes you can overlook and it's a very stressful time to navigate. And every transition, there's always stress involved. Uh, so recently, Michael has started his transition to go to school, right, to play group. So also very stressful for him. Every morning now, I bring him down to the school, right? On the way to school, suddenly he becomes very quiet. Usually he's very noisy, he wants to run around, but 
every time now morning when I walk towards school, he suddenly know already, he start very quiet. Even his snack, he don't want to eat anymore. And the moment he see the gate, he start crying already. Why? Because transitions are stressful. Even a baby knows that. Okay? The stress of being uh, away from his parents, away from people that he knows. And even for us as a church body, when we are disconnected from one another, it involves so much stress. And even last week, you know, I'm so glad that we were able to gather but I think the people that were getting the service ready from the different music team, the sound team, and the M-Cube team all also got stressed because like, wow, so long never do it. Eh? Wow, why got no sound? Why the mic not working? You know, there's so much of these things we deal with in transition. And so stress is such a widespread feeling that almost every one of us sitting here have experienced it some point in our lives. But you see, it's not so much about eradicating stress. I don't think there is such a permanent uh, solution to remove stress in our lives. Have la, when, we, when Jesus comes back and we are with Him in eternity. I think that's when I look forward to a stressless life. But I think because of the world that we live in and of course the effects of sin, stress is, is something we can't get rid of. But I think the focus today is not so much about how to remove stress, but more of how do we deal with it as believers, as Christians? How do we deal with stress? How do we get strength in a time of stress, when a time when there's so many things bombarding us? And I think, and I believe personally that we live in a, in a time, in a year that deals with more stress than any other generations have ever felt, simply because of technology, simply because of social media. The world is so connected. You don't even need to wait, you know, a few hours for the news to come out. Immediately when the thing happened, wow, got something happened already. Wow, got another slashing. Wow, another person jumped down the building. You see, all these things are bombarding us. So, it really, we are living in a time where stress is an all-time high. And so, we all deal with issues in life and stresses in life, and we all can deal with it very differently. You know, I think Pastor, you've probably heard him talk about it before, that we can either deal with stress in three ways or issues in three ways. You either deal with it proactively, which is the right way, or you deal with it reactively, where something happens, you start to react and just panic and just do whatever it takes to kind of put the thing in, under control. And lastly, the most toxic is you become radioactive, where you begin to be harmful, hurtful to people around you. And I think we are very blessed. You know, I think these past two years, we are so blessed to be in a nation of Singapore where our government, our leaders are so proactive. You know, I know that maybe sometimes, you know, in, in making certain uh, uh, decisions, you know, they may not be perfect all the time. But I believe that we are where we are because our nation has taken very proactive approaches in dealing with this pandemic. You know, and, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and we are some way kind of like back to what we were before COVID. Okay. And in contrast to some other nations that may not have proactive leaders. And as a result, every time when something happens, when the numbers spike, it becomes very reactive. They start making decisions that adds tremendous stress on the citizens, on the people, which also affects the world. And I think similarly in our personal lives, we have to ask ourselves this question today. How do we turn to your neighbor, ask them, how do you deal with stress? Are you, do you deal with it proactively or are you very reactive to the stress in your life? 
And yes, some of us do experience different kind of situations in life. Um, we have also to ask the question, the thing that we are dealing with, is it really a major crisis? Is it a major problem in our lives? Or is it just like what Pastor says, a fact of life? For example, I can complain and whine so much about my, you know, my baby giving me a headache, even though I only have one. You know. It is just a fact of life. When I talk to all the parents, they tell me the same thing. Oh, it's normal. Lah. Some of them cry for one, two months before they stop crying. So I realize it's just a fact of life. It's okay. I don't have to try to fix my son to make him not cry. And so I realized this week, what really helped was on the way to school, I would pray with him. And I would tell Micah, Micah, it's okay if you want to cry. But I want you to know when you're crying that Jesus is going to be with you. And the great thing is that um, the last few days in school, he improved. Because when my mom goes to pick him, in, at, at the start, he will still cry, cry, cry. But now when my mom sees him, hey, he never cried already. So got slight improvement. So I thank God for little wins. And so some of us may be dealing with situations that are really crazy. Some of you experience uh, sickness in our lives, a loss in our lives, and those are very high-stress situations, which of course in those moments, sometimes there's really, is an exceptional case. But I think for many of us, the stresses we experience are just a fact of life, whether it's work, uh, whether it's paying the bills, whether it's stress over the kid going to what school, whether I stress about, uh, uh, oh, I, I don't look very good, I stress people don't like me, I stress about my, my exams, I stress about my grades, I stress about what school am I going to go in, I stress about what uni course am I going to take, I'm stressed about what career am I going to embark on. All these are just facts of life. We cannot escape it. No matter how well you may plan out your life, you will still experience some of these uncertainties. So against the backdrop of such a stress-filled society that we are living in, the most important thing that we have to consider today is not so much about the problem itself, but instead taking a look within. Turn to your neighbour and say, look within you. Are we filled with stress or with the Holy Spirit? In Ephesians 5.18, it says, do not get drunk with wine, which will only ruin you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So, why does this scripture have to do with stress? Okay? Because sometimes, okay, some of us, and not just us as believers, but everyone in this world, when we experience stress, we always turn to something to get a relief of stress. It can be anything. For some people, they look forward to going out for a drink, get drunk, get high, or go for smoke, or they go watch Netflix, or whatever it is. They get drunk on those things. Why? To numb it, right? But the scripture tells us, do not be drunk with wine. And I think you can fill in the blank, whatever you're drunk with, whatever it is, drunk with career, drunk with entertainment, drunk with uh, materialism, which will only ruin us. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And if you were to do a Google search today, how do I deal with stress? I tell you, you can find many, 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 many articles on tips to how to cope with stress. 
And I'm very sure some of you have tried it. I, I have definitely tried it. I've searched what kind of food is good to help me with stress. What kind of food should I avoid to, to help me with stress? The kind of lifestyle, oh, you've got to have active lifestyle. You shouldn't, you know, uh, uh, be so sedentary, blah, 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 all this. And there's so many, so many tips out there that yes, it may work on the certain level. But at the end of the day, today we want to look at how does, what is God's prescription for stress? Because when it comes to our souls, the world cannot fix it. When it comes to our heart, the world cannot fix that. Amen. And so how do we keep our tank filled instead of running on empty? See, when we are stressed, we will, you know, some synonyms of the word stress is, some of you may use, is like what we call burnout. Some of you have said that before, wow, I burn out already. Wow, you all never experienced that. Huh? You are power. Okay, I need to learn from you guys. But we experience burnout. And sometimes in ministry, I remember many times, you know, I would, especially when I was younger and not very good at dealing with stress, I'll be like, wow, so stressed until I'll be like, oh, pastor, I think I burned out already. I think it's time for me to step down for a while, you know, take a break from ministry because I cannot already. So many things happening. And rightfully so, you know, I think certain, I'm not saying that we cannot. I'm not saying that God wants us to work us to the bone. Okay, that's not how God deals with us and we're going to look at that later today. But we want to see some reasons, 10 reasons why we run out of gas. Okay? There are 10 reasons why you run out of gas. For those, how many of you have a car or drivers here? Can I have a show of hands? Okay? You know what it means to run out of gas. Okay? Maybe some of us don't. Uh, I never experienced that. But I was on the verge of experiencing that, you know, especially on the highway. Then you see the thing go beyond the E, right? The E still can go, but you're very stressed already. It's like, sell, 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 what if it breaks down on the highway? What am I going to do? Okay, what, do we, what are the reasons, okay, that we run out of gas in a car actually also parallels with the reasons why we run out spiritually and emotionally, okay? So as we go through these 10 lists, I want you to, as you look through them, start to identify which one speaks to me, which one is me. Okay, we're going to evaluate today 10 reasons you run out of gas. Okay, the first reason we run out of gas is not starting out with a full tank. Okay, maybe some of you say, no, I don't need full tank to, to go out to work. What? Okay, it depends where you're going. Okay, if you know your destination is a bit far, but you're like left one quarter and you got... Uh, to go out and you have no time, you have to start thinking, do I have enough for the journey? Okay, maybe, especially, you know, maybe those who got do like grab driver before, even more high stress because you cannot just decide to stop, right? Okay, there was one time my, my grab driver tell me, hey, sir, you mind if we stop over the Esto to let me pump petrol? I'm like, sure. Okay, but inside I was very irritated. I was like, wow, you're wasting my time, you know. I said, thank God, these are not running meter. Okay, so first reason we run out of gas is not starting out with a full tank. And we're going to look at some of the antidotes to these later. But how you start your day. So similarly, how we start our day in the morning will set up the rest of the day. I think some of you know, if you start the day on a bad note, 
you start the day, wow, feeling grumpy, like, wow, so irritated, wow, all this happened. So wake up, wow, why, why my son go and uh, vomit on the bed? Then you just very tension, you're very stressed already. Then after that, you know, you clean up, you need to go to work. And then you just kind of like snowball the whole day, it just ends up so bad. You start making bad decisions, you start being so irritable. Someone just uh, poke you a one wrong thing, you just kajababoom. Okay? And so, likewise, when we do not start the day with a full tank, chances are we can run out. We can run on empty. And so that's why, you know, the last few weeks, we have been on this theme about seeking first the kingdom. Why? Because when we seek Him first in the day, it's not so that God is like, ask you to, oh, you got to check list. Eh. It's because He knows, hey, Charles, you need to get charged up. Eh. You need to come here and, you know, uh, Fill your tank, your love tank, so that when you go out into the world, you'll not picha, you know, you won't pom check. You'll be able to go. See, we all know that. Most of us, okay, most of us, we charge our phone at night. Why? Because we don't want in the morning, huh? My phone 50% sell, confirm cannot last one, especially if you use those high end phones. Uh, somehow they just don't last very well, okay? Or you got, those of you got Apple Watch one, you know if you don't charge it 50%, it won't last the whole day. So you want to start the day with full battery. Okay? Number two, another reason why we run on empty is we are being too busy to stop and refuel. Being too busy is the second reason we run out of gas. When you're too busy to stop and refuel, you're going to eventually run out. You can be so caught up in the midst of, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, and you forgot, eh, ayah, I never go and pump petrol. Am I going to make it to my destination? And sometimes in life, it's very hard to also remove busyness. Okay? Especially Singaporeans, we are so hardworking, we are so diligent. Busyness is an everyday thing. Even Sunday is considered busy to you. Because after this, you already have your whole lineup. You're know, like, Charles, please, uh, please, tolong, please don't preach until 12 o'clock. Okay? I know I'm the longest one that, is, that speaks here, okay? But I'm working on it. <laughs> and so many of us are too busy. See, even the professionals, if you watch F1, even in their goal of being the fastest racer, they will still know when to stop at the pit stop to change wheel. Uh, I don't know if they pump petrol, uh, okay? But they will still stop at the pit stop. And they time it perfectly, one. Why? Because how they reach, they stop, right, and recharge or refuel will ultimately set them up for their success. Okay? And so we don't want to be too busy in life. You know, uh, someone said, if you are too busy to pray or you are too busy to spend time with God, means you are way too busy. Something's got to go. Okay? And we've got to remind ourselves that even in the midst of legitimately very important things in life, we cannot be too busy that we don't stop to refuel in the presence of God. Amen? Number three, ignoring the owner's manual and pushing my car further than it was created to go. See, some of us uh, have different car size, right? Okay, I'm not very good at this technicality, okay? Because I don't own a car. But you have the 1.6cc, then I don't know what's the next sound up. 2.0, is it? 2.8. Ah, okay. 1.8 cc, okay? So whatever it is, we got to know 
the original manufacturer's uh, guidelines on the car, how much we can push it, okay, or maybe uh, what kind of fuel to put in it. You don't want to take your normal car and start to pump diesel, you sure you destroy it. Okay? And we got to go back to the owner's manual about what we should do with our spiritual tank, our emotional tank. And for us, we have that. As believers, we have the, the Bible, the Word of God, which is that owner's manual. God is our designer. He will tell us, hey, you got to slow down. You gotta, it's time for you to, to stop for a while. Okay? And sometimes what the owner's manual will do is it will, it will begin to tell you, hey, Charles, I want you to know you have this tendency, you have this blind spot that I need you to take note of, which leads us to point number four, being unaware of hidden leaks that are draining me. See, there are times when we run out of gas emotionally and spiritually, it's because we are unaware that eh, something is wrong with the car. Uh, once again, I'm not a mechanic, so I don't know when the car leak is what thing leak. La. I only know usually got water leak out. Okay? Uh, hopefully, it's not the, the petrol tank leaking. La, okay? That would be a very terrible thing. But there are many reasons that can cause our car to run out. It could be tyre pump check. Okay? That's a very simple example. That You don't know there's a hole in your tyre and you start to go and go, eh, how come things, why, why am I driving? And that also affects uh, the usage of your petrol because you start to zam you even more. Okay, and so being unaware of hidden leaks that are draining us is so crucial. See, there are some common causes of leaks in our lives. It could be relationships. It could be responsibilities. And none of these are necessarily bad in itself. Maybe some more draining than others. Lah. Okay? Uh, like for those who have young children, you know, I hats off to you, especially those who got like more than one child. Okay? It drains you out. By the end, you end up the end of the day, you're like, I cannot lay out. Okay, and those, especially if you are working also, you will be wiped out to the max. Okay, and those relationships drain you. Your responsibilities drain you. And some of us may be going through crisis or situations that are of high stress, transitions in life. And those things are hidden leaks that God wants us to be aware of so that we don't end up going in circles, like, why, why am I always so, so high-strung? Why am I always so stressed? And you don't realise, hey, there's something that's draining me. There's a transition that I'm in that's draining me. And the more we are aware of it, the more we will know how to deal with it. Okay, and so that's number four. Number five, being in a hurry. Okay, I think uh, many of us here know what it means to be always be in a hurry. Okay, being in a hurry drains your tank. Now you already know that going fast will waste more gas. Uh, I know some uh, drivers here, they have this technique when they drive, right? Uh, they will press the accelerator, then maybe when you hit like downstroke, they don't press. They let the car own self naturally go down so that it will not really drain uh, the gas. Okay? And so if you slam the accelerator all the way, then wow, you feel shook, lah, but you are burning gas more. And so when you're driving really fast, rapid acceleration, speeding up when the light turns green, you know, when, when the light about to, you know, from green want to turn to orange, right, we still, instead of slow down, we go faster because we don't want to have to wait because we are in a hurry, okay? And that burns a lot of more petrol. 
And so the faster I drive, the faster I'm going to run out of petrol and my tank is going to go low quicker. Now the same is true with our souls. That when we are in a hurry, that when you are always constantly in a hurry and you don't pause enough to refill, then your tank is going to go empty quicker. Sometimes we need to take a look at our schedules. There is some of us, the schedule got no empty slot one. We have one meeting to the other, one appointment to the other. And not that that is bad, but we have to realise, are we living in a very hurried spirit? See, in the Bible, we know of a character, a martyr. She was having this hurried spirit. Even when Jesus was in her house, she just cannot stop. Ah. Want to do this, going to do, make sure everything okay. And in the midst of that, not that we should be irresponsible or lazy, but I think what God wants us to understand is we got to know at a certain point, hey, slow down a bit. Take a break. Stop at the pit stop for a moment and let Jesus refill us. And so the faster we go in life, the faster the pace of our life, the faster we will experience burnout. The faster we will want to say, I cannot already. And so we ought to ask ourselves, what is the speed of my life today? If I am running on empty, if I'm running on fumes, if I feel a little low, a little down, a little discouraged, could it be that you are going too fast in life? Could it be that you are having such a hurried spirit? You know, that there's a few times when we are dealing with Micah, you know, he's like acting up and he's like, cry, cry, cry. Then when he cries, the mother gets stressed. And the mother gets stressed, I get stressed. And I'll tell my wife, say, Wern, calm down. Because the more you are stressed in this situation, he's going to be even, he's not going to calm down for sure. You know, many times it's like, I think it's quite funny, we as adults, we're like so stressed, right? Then we tell the kid, can you stop crying? Then we are like so stressed and we're asking him to calm down when we ourselves are not. Right? And it's, 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 it's not possible. And so, we got to slow down, we got to calm down to deal with the stresses in our lives because we do not want to be what? Reactive. Because when we are reactive, then they become radioactive, then kajababum, then everybody die in the house. Okay? Number six, not paying attention to my gauges. This is really good. Okay? Many times when we are driving, I think the dashboard is one of the most important things to a driver in the car. You'll be able to see your speed, lead, your speed. you'll be able to see your gas tank, then got some other gauge, I also don't know what it is. La. Then sometimes got the flashing light will come out, the red colour, then got the engine light. Uh, and we have to find out what those indicators are in our lives. See, for us, spiritually and emotionally as a person, we also have gauges. Okay? Uh, I remember there was one time in our care group recently, one of our members asked everybody in the group, Hey, how do you all know that you are under stress? What are some of your stress indicators in life? And then we started to share, you know, some, which was very interesting. Some of us sh- share that, oh, when I'm stressed, I will start to stress eat. It will start whacking like, you know, guilty pleasure, uh, McDonald's or ice cream, just to cope with the stress. On the other hand, there are people that lose appetite. They don't even want to eat. Instead, they are so engrossed in their work they can don't eat the whole day because they're just so filled with stress and just trying to get work done. For some, is you know, uh, they get skin flare-ups. 
for me, you know, I have eczema, and so when I get stressed, you will know I start scratching, you know, and all that. And some of us may experience breakouts. For my wife, when she gets stressed, she'll clench her jaw. When she sleeps at night, she'll have the <coughs> grinding teeth. I don't know how many of you do that at night. So when I do that, it's like stress. Okay, the body tense up. Okay. We, our bodies have a way to tell us that, hey, you are under stress. Okay, so something interesting, you may want to ask your neighbour after service, hey, how do you know you are stressed? Okay? Your body has a way to tell you. And uh, I think as you grow up, the more and more those indicators will come into your life. Okay? But what about our spiritual and emotional gauges? I think sometimes that one is even a bit hard to identify. And I'm just going to give us a few. Number one, I think one thing that gets affected is our sleep. Okay? Maybe some people, to deal with stress, they sleep more. Okay? Uh, and that's great. Okay? But for some of us, like for me, when I'm stressed, I cannot sleep. I keep thinking and thinking and replay and replay and replay. Then, eh, whole night never sleep. Okay? When you're not getting enough sleep, you know what happens. You deal with a grumpy old man in the morning. Okay? Uh, my wife, she needs her sleep. Okay? Because if not, the next day she'll be frazzled. And, and so we recognize that, hey, sleep is important. And if we are losing sleep, it could be because something is keeping us awake. It could be a stress. Another gauge is your irritability. How many of you get irritated when you are stressed? Irritated by people or basically anything. Okay? When everybody around you notices you are becoming more irritable, than normal, guess what? That is a gauge. My wife will tell me that, Charles, you are very irritating. Can you stop it? Then I know that I'm, I'm, I'm grumpy. Okay? It is a gauge that says you are running on fumes. They are running on empty. See, you are a lot less irritable when your tank is emotionally full and spiritually full. Why? Because when we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit, when someone irritates you, you have a more tendency to have Patience, kindness, long-suffering, goodness, all the good stuff, the joy, the peace, all will come out. But when you've got nothing, you're empty, when they irritate you, is <sighs> you start to, you know, sometimes scold them, uh, be less patient. Okay? One thing I realised after I got married is I realised I'm not a very patient man. Last time, courtship days, oh, I'm a very patient one. Then suddenly, I, I noticed myself, wow, I become, my fuse with Dealing at home is very short. One thing can just make me go uh, hot-tempered, okay? And so that is a gauge for us. Which leads me to my next point. Your relationships are a gauge. How are you getting along in your relationships? <laughs> that is a gauge in your life to tell you whether you're on empty or whether you've got a full tank. You know, if I'm always... Okay, I'm speaking to myself. If I'm always getting into a fight with my wife or argument with my wife, it could be either she's running on empty or I'm running on empty or I'm becoming very irritating. Okay? So we got to see. Sometimes you got to ask, you know, it's maybe a hard question. If you have a loved one here, you can ask them, uh, am I running on empty? And they'll be very honest with you because they'll tell you, yes, you are very empty because you are so grouchy every time. Okay, so our relationships are a good gauge. Another gauge, okay, uh, I hate to say this, and I uh, don't mean to be uh, offensive or whatever, but I think our physical bodies also is a gauge. 
It could be our health. Sometimes we get more sick because we are stressed. Sometimes even uh, the number on the weighing scale tells us if we are dealing with stress well. Okay, some of us, we lose weight tremendously because we are stressed. Okay, and there's something we got to investigate. But some of us also, the other way, when we stress, the number go higher. Okay, like COVID time, my number go higher because I at home uh, very inactive. Okay? And our weight is also a way to gauge how we're handling life because sometimes when I stress, I will want to buy my favourite ice cream to eat and eat and eat my snacks. Like last week, I already buy two packs of chips and then I got to control myself. Okay? Another thing that gauge our, our stress is our attitudes. Okay? What's our attitude towards people? What's our attitudes towards um, God? Towards maybe your boss will tell you something, you're like, wow, you get upset. Okay, our attitudes. Another gauge is our generosity. How generous are you being? See, when you have a full tank, you tend to be very generous. You tend to be more giving. Worship attendance is also another gauge. When people start falling off and stop going to church services, that is a gauge. When I start isolating myself from people, that is a gauge. I'm not handling these situations well in my life. So, there are gauges we need to be aware of. <clears throat> Another reason, number seven, is being overloaded. See, some, some of us, we are carrying too much weight. Okay, we are carrying too much weight. Sometimes in our car, the, 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 we are trying to transport way too many things in your normal sedan car that you're not supposed to. You realise the car somehow gets slower. You can feel the weight, the suspension working even more. Okay, why? Because you are not meant to carry so much weight. Okay, and we have to recognize, we've got to look at ourselves, what's on our plate. Are we being overloaded with stuff? Okay, and sometimes when we look at the things that are on our plate, some things can remove. Some things is self-induced. You know, I still remember one of the things that I add stress to myself, I overload myself, is when, okay, when I game too much, you know, especially at night. It's when you play those high-stress games. Uh, those who are gamers say, you know, you play finish already, you cannot sleep. Why? Because your heart pumping too excited already, adrenaline pumping too much. You get very stressed, high-strung. Okay? So we've got to see what are some things we are carrying. Are we being overloaded? Number eight, assuming the limits of my tank don't apply to me. Some of us think we are Superman. We can bear the weight of the world. We feel so good about ourselves when we carry everybody's burden. And we don't recognise that, hey, you are hitting your limit already. And, and so we gotta be so we gotta be realistic. We gotta be in touch with reality of the limits of our tank. And certain seasons, there's so much you can do. There are certain seasons in life you can do some things, there are certain seasons in life you can't. For example, for those that have young children, when you when we went through that transition, what we used to do when we are younger, we cannot do. Last time when I'm single and don't have kids, well, I can go out every night, one. don't have to worry about planning with my wife who's going to be home to take care of the kid. I just go and do it. But now, with a different season, I have to adjust my limits. i got to be mindful of other things that I'm also responsible for. And especially for us Singaporeans, there are those who love to work, there are workaholics. We can be so proud about how we are such a hard worker that we are so invincible that sometimes pride gets in the way. 
pride blurs us from looking at the limit that we are facing. And we do not want to wait to a point where it's too late. Because you can get, we can get so caught up in the red race that when we begin to start looking at the cages, like our relationship start to break down, and we miss certain milestones in our family's life, and there are some things we cannot turn back time. So we've got to be aware of the limits. Next reason is not knowing where to find a filling station. I think nowadays, not so bad. When I'm running out of gas, I can immediately pull up my phone and search uh, nearest petrol station. Then I can GPS go there. But I think we used to live in a time where we didn't have that. And sometimes on the way, you know, we are, the, the gauge is E, we, go, we will wonder, see, where, where's the nearest gas station? Okay? And even so spiritually and emotionally, a lot of people do not know where to get refilled. When we're feeling low, when we're feeling stressed out and we just want to give up. But aren't you thankful that we have a refilling station every Sunday? Amen? Aren't you thankful we have a recharge point every week when you come into the house of God? Even though when you get out of bed today, you may be empty, you got no gas, you're like, well, I just need to sleep. The logical thing is for me to sleep so I got strength. But when you come into the house of God and you feel His presence, and we begin to worship God, just like when I was, we were singing those songs, that God will fill this place. That the same way when we come into the house of God, that He will fill us up. Okay? And so for us as believers, we know where to get a refilling. Amen? But some of us may have not been in the refilling station for a long time. And I want to encourage you, instead of trying to fill yourself up, the way the world tells you to do so, why don't we come to the house of God every week that when we are faithful to His house, that He will refill us. The last reason why we do not know, uh, the reason why we are running out on gas is we do not know how to refill our gas tank. Uh, this one is me. When I, I don't, I'm not very good with cars, right? So when I go to petrol kiosk, usually it's I don't refill one is the, the uncle help me refill my gas tank. <laughs> Whenever I have to do it myself, I'll go to my wife, hey, can you do it? <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I always tell the uncle, ah, 95 full tank. Okay. But unfortunately, when it comes to our spiritual and emotional tank, I wish there is someone that can, we can go to the church and say, uh, pastor, 95 full tank. <laughs> no. We have to learn how to get refilled on our own. Especially in the time of the pandemic, when stress is at an all-time high, and some of us, you know, uh, we only come to church when it's uh, convenient, especially now. You know, when I start to think about it, <clears throat> my carnal flesh is like, wow, imagine Tuesday prayer meeting to come back to HQ. Uh. Wow, how are uh, you going to take up more of my time? Eh? But then I realized, hey, Charles, why are you thinking that way? We used to, we used to do it. My peers used to, to, to do it with three kids. They used to come for Sunday morning prayer with their children, you know. You know, I, I want to draw inspiration from that. Okay, but sometimes we don't know how to refill ourselves. Okay, and we think that the best way to refill is to don't come to church. We just let go of all the commitments and just relax and just do what I want to do. Just indulge in my guilty pleasure. And that's not the way to refill our tanks. 
And so we're going to look at a few um, solutions. We're going to look at a few steps. How then do I get refilled? Okay. You see, how do we refill your tank? And we're going to see what Jesus has to say about this. What does Jesus say when we come to him today and say, God, I'm feeling empty on the inside. An empty soul, an empty heart, an empty character. How does Jesus respond when you say, I got nothing to give? Sometimes we think we come to church, we've got to give, 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 give. We think that God is a taker. But that's not how Jesus is like. When we come to him and we say, Jesus, I'm all out of gas. I'm running on empty. He's not going to scold you. He's not going to judge you today. He's not going to correct you and say, ah, you should have done this. See, la. Uh, now then you know. La. Huh? Don't listen to me. No, that's not how God would approach us. In fact, he does the exact opposite. He says this in Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30 from the CEV version. I love this translation. It says, if you are tired from carrying burdens, how many of you can identify the first part already? If you are tired, anyone tired here this morning? Okay. If you are tired, this promise is for you. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you will find rest. This yoke is easy to bear and this burden is light. You see, Jesus knows that we are all experiencing stress, that we will all have a point in our times that we will be able to answer this call, this invitation, if you are tired. And so we're going to look at six steps to get strength for stressful times. Number one, get fed up with how I've been feeling. I don't know how, if any of you have ever felt this way, but there are uh, points in my life where I'm so sick of tired, of being sick and tired. When I'm so worried, right, I'm so anxious about situation in life that I come to a point, I'm like, God, I really am so tired of worrying. I just need to stop this because I realize it doesn't change anything. And so for us, the first step we need to take is we have to get so fed up. We've got to get so unsatisfied, that holy discontentment about how we are feeling today. And that nothing is going to change in our life until we get dissatisfied with it. Nothing happens until you get desperate for the change. Yes, it is uncomfortable. Yes, it may sometimes be painful. It may be even empty. But you see, sometimes it's these situations that are the catalyst for our change. And there are three things that change people. The first thing is pain. The second thing is perspective. And the last thing is no other choice. We're going to look at some of these examples in the Bible that shows of people that changed, that they had to get so fed up with their current situation that they will finally turn to God. The first one is King Solomon in Proverbs 20, verse 20 and 30. It reads, The Lord gave us a mind and conscience so we cannot hide from ourselves. Verse 30, But sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. I can identify with that because there are many times when 
my elders would tell me, Charles, don't do this, don't make this decision. But I say, no, la, it's okay. One. Then when I finally take down that wrong road and I experience the pain and the consequence, I'm like, okay, you're right, I will change. Even with our children, when I tell Micah, stop doing this, don't touch this, stop, don't climb on the chair. He don't want, he don't care. He climb, 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 then he fall down, bam, hit his head. I say, nah, I see pain, right? Then he will, only then will he listen. Only then will he turn to mom and dad. And likewise for King Solomon, he knew of the wisest people on earth, he also struggled with this. That he recognized that only in the most painful experiences he will begin to change. And for some of us, some of it may be in the form of medical report. Or when we go to see a doctor about a certain pain or certain health condition because we are so uncomfortable, we are experiencing maybe chest pains and we go to the doctor and finally he tells us, oh, you got a heart condition. Then at that point, you really is which is the third part, no choice. You have to change. I mean, still have choice la, if you want to live longer. La. So pain has a way to force us into change. Another reason is perspective, which is the prodigal son. We know that the prodigal son, when he you know, got his father's inheritance and he went out and, and just wasted all of it. And there came a point in time where he finally woke up. When? When he was in the pigsty eating the pig's food. And that was a low point because for him as a Jew, eating the pig's food was considered unclean. And it was so low at the point that finally he, you know, Chinese have this word, he He decided, to, oh, now is the time for me to go back home to my father's house. And maybe for some of us, we need a change of perspective. We need that light bulb moment where we suddenly realise, you know what, God, you are right. Why am I want to live like that when I can be in your house? And so perspective has a way to get us to start to change. The third one is the story of Jonah where he had no choice. This guy really is Bo Pian Wan. Why? Because he didn't want to change. In Jonah 2 verse 7, it says, When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once again to the Lord. And maybe for some of us, we need to get unto the point of Jonah where we really is bo pian. For him, he cannot eaten up by the big fish. So he wants to siam, also cannot siam. <laughs> See, when you don't have any other choice, that's when you turn to God. Unfortunately, that's what we humans do. La. When I'm, everything is good, I just forget about him. When problems are to come, they say, oh, Jesus, help me, help me. Now, nothing is going to change your life. That emptiness, that despondency, that depression, that feeling of unfulfilled, nothing is going to change you until we get dissatisfied with the way we are. See, today we're going to continue on living 2022 and you know that you're running on empty. God has some way or fashion revealed to you. Maybe you're experiencing some pain or discomfort. It could be an emotional pain. It could be a perspective that maybe God has been trying to put in your mind. Service after service, you know, when pastor preached, you're like, oh, that's a good word. But then when you go back, Monday we forget that perspective. Even today, maybe God will trying to bring you a perspective. He's trying to give you a revelation about something. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's a good message, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to change. But if we're going to drag and drag until a point where really we leave God with no choice. And I don't want to wait until then where I got no choice. I don't want to wait until I'm on my deathbed and I say, okay, Jesus, I surrender now. 
we don't want to wait until then. And that's why Jesus starts his solution to our emptiness by saying this, if you are tired. In other words, if you are not tired of the way you are living, then the truth is Jesus got nothing to offer you. If you are not tired of the way you are living, then yes, this message means nothing to you because you are satisfied where you are at. But if you say, Charles, I'm so tired of this area of my life. It could be feeling dry spiritually. It could be relationship issues. It could be how you're handling certain decisions in your life. It could be a work situation and you're just so high-strung about it. And you're so tired of trying to deal with it on your own. Then you have the answer today because Jesus makes the invitation. If you are tired, come to me. And so God is wanting to bring us to this point of holy discontent. And for some of us, we may be on the verge of a breakdown. You know, I think especially in the days we are living in, mental health is so real. You know, some people say, oh, I got a mental breakdown. And, and, I'm not, and I don't belittle that because it's so real today that to dismiss it. But all of us will experience breakdowns in our life at one point or another. We call it burnout. We call it depression. Whatever you want to call it, it still points back to the same problem. We are running on empty I love this quote that Pastor wrote. He says, a breakdown is always the door to a breakthrough. Sounds good, right? Wow, so sounds so good. What a beautiful quote. What does it mean? A breakdown is always the door to a breakthrough. See, I still remember uh, this year, CNY, we were able to borrow my wife's uncle's car. And we were wanting to use it. And one day, we were going up to the car, and then I pressed the turn on the ignition. Then I pressed, eh? Why cannot turn on? We try over and over and we get so stressed because we still meet our friends. Cannot work eh. What is going on? Why did the car break down here of all times? And finally, you know, my wife came, he called a workshop and she's trying and trying and trying and say that, okay, you really cannot need to call the tow truck to come here already. And suddenly, she managed to turn on the engine. And the technician told her, the mechanic told her, whatever you do, don't turn off the engine because that could have been your last charge of the battery to start up the engine. So immediately, the first thing she did is drive straight to the workshop, and lo and behold, the battery was dead. So thank God, uh, there was a breakthrough. Okay? We changed the battery, and everything worked well. And you see, I share the story because for some of us, we are on the verge of that. Eh? That we also, like, press sometimes we, some days, like, hit and miss. Like, hey, some days, we cannot start the engine. Then some days, suddenly, like, especially maybe Sunday, wow, I hit the maybe fourth song, then suddenly, wow, I feel it. The engine is starting. Whoa. But don't switch it off after service. Leh. We may be tempted, oh, service over, switch off. Tung. Or maybe prayer meeting, you know, a live stream, right? After the stream ends, oh, immediately close the window, open up Netflix. <laughs> okay, I've done it before, okay? <laughs> Very carnal, right? It's like, you just come finish prayer meeting, you know, close the... Vimeo, next thing open, netflix.com. Wow. And we are so quick to switch off when God has finally get us started. And could it be that will be our last charge to get to the workshop? See, sometimes we are here, you finally made it. Don't just stop here. Leh. Let God bring you that breakthrough. Let Him re- repair you. Let Him replace that battery. Sometimes we need a replacement of the battery. We need a top-up of His Spirit. And so he is inviting us, if you are tired, come. 
And so the step number two is this, come to Jesus. As simple as that. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden. If you are tired from your work, if you are tired from taking care of your kids, when you are tired of taking care of your sick kids, when you are tired of dealing with the bad report from the doctors, come to Jesus. In Isaiah 40 verse 29, he says, He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Aren't you thankful for that? That when I'm weak, I have a God that can strengthen me. Amen? And so when you are done with the first step, which is to get fed up with your current situation, now we can come to Him. And Jesus says this, if you are tired, if you are tired from carrying your heavy loads, come to me and I will give you rest. See, when you come to Jesus, it's a, if I could tell you, it's the best deal you can ever get. Better than any bargain you get out there. Why? Because when you come to Him, you unload all your problems and you get what? Rest. Eh? Where got such a good deal? One? There's no free lunch in the world. Eh? But with Jesus, when you come to Him and you would release all your burdens, you're going to get rest. Eh? And that's what we have here today. See, Jesus doesn't say, come to religion. Because religion can't help you. He doesn't say, come to do step one to step four. Come to do this of the commandments of God. No, He doesn't give you a bunch of rules because rules can't help you when you are empty. He doesn't say, come to rituals because rituals can't help you when you are empty. He doesn't say, come to regulations because regulations don't help you when you are empty. But instead, He says, come to me. The antidote to our emptiness, the antidote to our overloadedness is Jesus. The antidote to that overloaded soul is not a better time management. It's not watching another video that tells me top 10 tips to help me to be productive, top 5 tips to help me manage with stress. No. The solution to our emptiness is found in Jesus. It's not a program for stress relief. It's not a philosophy. It's not a pill. It's a person. And He will give us rest. And you see, the rest that God offers us is not just a physical rest that we go, say that, oh, I can go holiday. I can go staycation. You know, some of us say, yes, I want that. I need staycation. I need to, to travel now. You know, some, I see some of my friends, they started traveling. Like, wow, oh, so nice. Like, nice to have a break, you know. Uh, next week, uh, during the long weekend, my, me and my family are going to go for a short getaway staycation in Singapore. La. But when I first thought I come to mind, it's not rest, it's huh, more work because I got my son to, to deal with. <laughs> you see, what we truly need is more, not just physical rest. What we need is soul rest. Point at your heart and say, my soul needs rest. See, some of us, we don't have a really much of a problem with overloaded muscles. But we have an overloaded spirit, an overloaded soul that we cannot handle anymore. And sometimes our body tells us that because when I'm stressed, my muscle tends up, I got all this knot. And I was like, wow, I need to go massage. For me, that's my, always my first solution. I go massage. 
But I realized after I come out massage, it actually never helped me. <laughs> but what I really need is rest that God can offer. You see, many times when we are struggling with emotional emptiness or spiritual emptiness, the first thing we default to is what? We t- watch our Netflix. I'm guilty of that. I binge watch my Korean dramas. Why? Because I don't want to think about my stress. I numb myself. I go do my hobbies. I maybe go for a run. I go do a sport. And those things are not wrong in itself. But those things cannot truly restore our souls. Only God can restore our souls. Okay? And so we've got to come to Jesus because He will give us rest. Step number three is to give up control. See, the real reason for overload in our life is because we try to control too much things. The tighter grip we have on our steering wheel of life, the more stress we will feel and the more tendency for us to make mistakes. If I have to hold everything together, means I got to make it happen. Means I will have to be so stressed about the results. And the greater your need to control things, the more overloaded and stressed you are going to be in life. For me, I'm a worry ward. So the more I start to worry and try to control things about how am I going to fix this, how am I going to do this, this, I end up getting more stressed and more depressed. And the faster I get empty. And I love this part. Jesus' solution to our area of control is beautiful. See, when we carry... Okay, I'm going to give me a while to set up my example. When we carry our stress, when we say, and Jesus say, can you give it to me? We say, no, I don't want. I, I think better I deal with it because I'm scared. Uh, you ask me to deal with it, I don't like your way. Eh. Maybe the outcome is not what I want. Whether it's this relationship or whether it's this job, uh, whether it's my health, uh, uh, whether it's uh, a major decision. God, I don't want to give up because... I may not like what you tell me. And so we hold on to it. But Jesus' solution to running on empty is this. In the next part of the verse, he says, take my yoke upon you. That is the third step. We have to get fed up. We have to come to Jesus and we have to give up control. So what does it mean to take up your yoke? He's not take, asking you to take up, put on a, yourself an egg yoke, okay? A yoke. What is a yoke? He's talking about a wooden frame that you put over two animals. I think there's a picture if uh, graphics can help me show that. That's the yoke between the two uh, calves, uh, two animals here, so that they work together. See, when you take two cattle and they're going to pull a wagon together, you put a yoke over them. Why? So they pull together. And some of you may be like, huh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be more refilled. You're asking me to wear a yoke. Isn't that like more burden? That doesn't sound very relaxing. Take my yoke sounds like more work. <laughs> right? We don't, we're not here to get more work. We're here to get less work. I'm already caring so much. You ask me to do more? This is because we don't understand the purpose of a yoke. See, the purpose of a yoke is actually to lighten the load by sharing it. Not to make a heavier load. See, when we, come, when we think of yoke, we always think of the first thing come to mind is like those uh, slaves gonna ill treat, right? They gonna put the yoke, then they have to carry. That's not the kind of yoke that God is talking about. The kind of yoke God is talking about is what we see in these animals. When two animals team up together, the load is not more heavy. Eh? It becomes lighter. Okay, what does this look like? I'll get Brother Elvin to help me. 
So imagine I'm the little calf, okay? I'm carrying all the burden on my own. Wow, very heavy. Then suddenly, God comes in the picture. He's the older, stronger calf. Okay, the stronger uh, bull. And so he will put his yoke on me. And that's when I taking on his yoke. And not only that, suddenly, the burden, I don't really need to carry on my own already. He's going to lead me. And then sometimes I'll be like, wow, I cannot walk so fast. What does he do? He keeps me in pace. Why? So that I don't give up in life. See, that's what it means to give up control in life. It's not a matter of, ha, I got to do more. Ah. No. He's saying, will you let me be joined to you? Will you join onto my yoke? Because like, I want to help you carry it. Eh? Why are you doing it on your own? He's saying, I'm going to take it off you by carrying it for you. Why? Because he says, my yoke is easy and light. He's saying, the yoke that I'm going to place on you is easier than the yoke that you are carrying yourself. And in the New Living Translation, he says, my yoke fits perfectly. And that is so beautiful because all of us have different walks of life. All of us have different struggles. And the yoke that Jesus has for you fits perfectly for you. That when he is that stronger bull that is pulling, he knows exactly what you need to get you going. He knows exactly what you need. In other words, it's not uncomfortable. It's not like those mass-produced yoke they put on you, they are like, wow, very tight, I need to lose weight, then I can be comfortable. No, it's custom-made one, bespoke yoke. It put on you just nice. It's not rough, it's not tight, it's not painful. It's not a symbol of punishment. Instead, it's a symbol of partnership. It means you are no longer going to go through life by yourself. If you team up with God, He's going to help you carry the load. See, when you play football, nobody wants to team up with the people that are not very good. Later, we're going to play football. Okay, when they start to choose team, I don't think anyone wants to choose me because I'm not the very good football player. They want to choose someone like Brother Bong. Wow. They want to choose someone like uh, Brother Kewer. Wow. They are like the hard carry. They are the like Cristiano Ronaldo. They carry the team into winning. Okay. Okay, but even Ronaldo can't help me and you win. Okay. But God can. See, you want God on your team. Why? Because He's going to carry you through every storm, every challenge, and He doesn't add to your load. So we've got to throw out that myth that says, huh, when I take on God's yoke, means He's going to add more to me. No. He's saying, come, let me help you carry this load. And so we are going through life, whatever the stress is today, whether it's a situation in the home, whether it's a stressful decision, whether it's a sickness, whether it's your children, whether it's a relationship issue, don't go through it alone. Don't carry it on your own and sulking and say, oh, nobody loves me. God don't care about me. When he's saying here, come, take my yoke. It's going to fit you perfectly. In Psalms chapter 55, verse 22, he says, pile all your troubles on God's shoulders. He will carry your load and help you out. Jesus is saying to us today, church, join up with me. Come to me. Give up control. Join with me and put the load on me and we will carry it together. There's this, uh, I don't know if it's a poem, but it's quite interesting. I think we're all very familiar with the Psalms 23, but this is a different poem that takes a spin on it. It's called, The Lord is my pace setter. 
The Lord is my pace setter, I shall not rush. He makes me stop and rest for quiet intervals. He provides me with images of stillness, which restores my serenity. He leads me in the ways of efficiency, true calmness of mind, and His guidance, His peace. And even though I have a great many things to accomplish each day, I will not fret, for His presence is here. His timeliness, His all-importance will keep me in balance. He prepares refreshments and renewal in the midst of my activity. By anointing my mind with His oils of peace, my cup of joyous energy overflows. Surely, harmony and effectiveness shall be the fruit of my hours, for I shall walk in the pace of my Lord and dwell in His house forever. Isn't that amazing? See, when we are running, those who are runners here, recently I started to run, I realised I needed someone to pace me. Whenever I run with Elvin, there's no way I can catch up to him, but instead I'll ask him, Elvin, be my coach. Can you be my pacer for 2.4 in order for me to pass? You set the pace for me. I don't have to worry about anything. I just need to follow you. If I follow you, I confirm pass one. And isn't it it's as simple as that? Sometimes you want God to say, God, can you tell me the whole plan of how you want all of this to unfold? When he's saying, can you just follow my pace? If you follow me, I'm going to get you past the finish line and you're going to pass. In Galatians 5.24, I love this scripture. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, the Holy Ghost is here today with us, in us. Why? He's our pacer in life. In Romans 3.28, in a message, it says, our lives get in step with God and all others by letting Him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. So don't get so anxious and caught up and want to run the show of your life when God is saying, bro, follow my pace. You follow my pacing, I confirm, get you trust the finish line. And He knows your pacing. He's not going to ask you to start running nine minutes for IPPT. He will pace you slowly and surely. Because some of us, we like to chong one at the start. You know, when we hear a new thing, oh, let's chong ah. Then halfway, we give up. The year haven't end, we give up already. And God is saying, hey, let me pace you. Sometimes slow is fast. Amen. And so when we take on His yoke, the next thing we do is we learn to trust. We learn from Him for He is gentle and humble in heart. What does it mean to be gentle and humble in heart? See, when we are in the midst of wanting to be in control, we have a tendency to be very aggressive and arrogant, which is the opposite of humble and gentle. We always want to take control. We always want to rush things. You know, when we are high-strung, we tend to be very aggressive to people. Like, give me now. Hey, auntie, why are you so long? I already called my mee-pok. You haven't given me 30 minutes, I wait for the mee-pok. Never come. We get aggressive. Why? We cannot wait. Because lunch hour is almost up. And lunch is starting. You are, some of you may feel that way. Charles, can you hurry up? You've got 10 minutes to wrap up. We're only at point four. Can you hurry up? And so that is the opposite of humble and gentle. Whereas when we learn from God to be gentle, He's saying, relax, calm down, take it easy. When we are gentle with people, do you not know that sometimes that unlocks their favour? And when you go order food, right, sometimes people oh, are very rude to the auntie. Then when you go, the auntie very nice. 
and you like you know uh, some like Alvin he has a way with all the aunties uh, he very gentle and he start to talk in their lingo then suddenly his food wow so much one uh, they give him so much food and you see that's what gentleness does instead of being always wanting to be in control why don't we learn to be gentle and we can learn that from Jesus because that's how he is towards us in fact King David says his gentleness has made me great and of course humility is the opposite of arrogance when we learn to humble ourselves and say God I, I acknowledge I cannot and I need you in this and so we got to learn from him as he is pacing us and we are putting on his yoke I realize that in the journey it's not just getting the destination but it's learning from him I realized in my runs with, uh, recently I've been running with Jonah, he would tell me, hey Charles, your form need to adjust a bit. You, you're bouncing up a lot when you run. It drains your energy more. You got to try to not bounce so much high. You put your energy to move forward more. And I'm learning from him. And I have to be humble to learn. And people say, like, huh, why must you teach me? I know how to run, what? No, but I'm learning. I'm humbling myself to learn. And then he's coaching me to pass my IPVT, okay? And he's done a good job because I finally hit my 5K this, this week, okay? <laughs> so, so God is wanting to pace us, but in the midst of us carrying that yoke with him, he's teaching us, hey, sometimes he'll tell us, hey, Alvin, I notice, you know, you're a bit worried about this situation, but I want you to know, don't worry. In the right moment, I'm going to open up that opportunity. Whether it's that what school that Maddie needs to go, I'm going to open up that slot for you. Whether it's that job opportunity, I'm going to tell you the right timing when you need to change job. Don't worry. Learn from me. And that leads us to the last two steps. You see, in order to learn to trust, it boils back down to this thing about trusting God. And then how do we trust God? You see, the only way we can learn to trust Him is when our faith in God is built up. And some of us, our faith is at an all-time low. But I'm so thankful the Scripture gives us a prescription. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And so, step number five is simply, every day, start every day by filling my tank. Start every day when you wake up in the morning, instead of just checking our phones, the first thing I always do is check Telegram. Then after I check Instagram, then I scroll, 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 scroll. Then I, oh, time to go brush teeth. <laughs> but instead of beholding our phones, why don't we behold His greatness in the morning and allow Him to refill our tanks? Start every day by allowing God to recharge us. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 6, 6, find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God and just simply and be there just and be just be there simply as honestly as you can. And the focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. See, even Jesus, God in flesh. When he was on earth, he knew when he needed to take a break from the crowd and go into a quiet place to fill his tank. 
And so when we start our day tomorrow, why don't we do that? Why don't we come to Him? Why don't we quiet ourselves down and for a moment, just stop thinking about what you need to do on that day and start to say, God, I'm here. I'm feeling empty. I'm so stressed today because I got this huge presentation that I need to present and I don't know what I'm going to do. But instead of me trying to overwork myself, Lord, I pray that you will help me. And sometimes it's in those moments where you may seem so illogical, but it's in the presence of God when you seek Him first, what the scriptures say, that all these things will be added. Suddenly you realise, hey, wow, how come my boss suddenly favour me? It's not because of how good you work. Eh? It's because God's hand is upon you. And so we want to start every day filling that tank. And the last step we want to do is to stay connected with my spiritual family. See, this one is a very big, important one. See, not only we have our individual connection with God, but collectively as a body of Christ, we are also connected to Him. Because when we come into this house, when we come together as a body, is that recharge point. It's like that turbo charge, the quick charge. You know, sometimes we like the, the phone, we like ch quick charge, right? 15 minutes can charge full. And I think that kind of charging happens best when we come together as a body. Like last Sunday when we felt that worship was like, whoa, it's like turbo charge. And that's why God is trying to remind us, don't forget, don't neglect the gathering of one another. In fact, we read in Psalms 133, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Why? Because when we come together as a body, when we come together every week, on a Sunday, when you come together in your small groups, don't think it's just because, oh, okay, Lord, I got to meet because my care group leader asked me to meet. No, think of it as, oh, it's my recharge point. See, guys, we don't have, you know, the privilege of what we used to have, like youth camp or DCD. Maybe we can have it next year. But we're not going to wait until then, right? Why? Maybe by then, some of us not around already. We give up already. So we're not going to wait until, oh, I'm going to wait for that. DCD to charge me up for another five years. No, we can experience it every week. And so when you be, even if this week, when you begin to go back to your small groups or Sunday service, go with that perspective that, hey, I'm here to be recharged. I'm here to maybe give, to pour back into someone. Because there are days maybe we don't feel like we are empty, but could it be someone there needs you to pour back into them? And that's why we need each other. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending down upon the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing. See, when we come together as a church, you will be able to feel that anointing that flows down. You will be able to feel that dew that suddenly refreshes your dryness. Why? Because it is here when we dwell in unity that God pours out his blessing. So why don't we stand today aren't you thankful that you are part of a spiritual family see when you are empty you may be tempted to say hey maybe this week I don't come to church maybe this week uh, I don't watch prayer meeting la. I mean nobody's gonna know right but let me tell you you need to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ because there are times when you cannot walk yourself or carry yourself they are there to carry you. And I'm going to close by reading Matthew once again. 
28, verse 33. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. And if you are wanting that today, why don't we lift our hands in this place? And Jesus says to us, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, you will find relief, you will find ease and refreshment and recreation for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, it is useful, it is good, it is not harsh, it is not hard, it is not sharp, it is not pressing, but it is comfortable, it is gracious, it is pleasant, and my burden is light and easy to be borne.